0: So parents, if uh, you did not have the opportunity to register your kids uh, for Transformation Station, you can walk back and do that uh, this morning at this point. But they'll head downstairs to be uh, in their respective classes. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to grab your Bible uh, and turn to the Gospel of John. We'll be in Chapter 11 this morning. Well, let me welcome you. My name is uh, Tanner Turley. I serve as the lead pastor of Redemption Hill. And uh, I am very excited that you have come and chosen to worship with us on Easter Sunday. Um, I'd love to, to meet you after the service uh, just to give you, you know, an Easter handshake or uh, maybe a, a hug or a high five or even, you know, a little shoulder bump on the way out. Uh, so um, we'd just, you know, love to connect with, with you uh, this morning. And, and another way you can do that is uh, you can, you can uh, fill out that connect card you received uh, when you walked in on the worship guide. And uh, if I miss you that way, I can give you at least a little virtual, you know, uh, shoulder bump uh, this week later, just thanking you for, for coming and worshiping with us. Um, I, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I want to tell you a little bit, you know, kind of the, the, the highlights about me is, is not really so much about me, but about my family. Um, here's a picture. Uh, my, my beautiful wife's name is Marsha. Uh, we've been married 10 years uh, this summer, and then uh, we have uh, three children. Parker is uh, seven. Kessed is almost five. And Jordan is almost two. And you can see that they uh, get their looks from their mother. That's not funny. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and hopefully they're going to get their jump shot from me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but, but that's my family. And, you know, being a parent is one of the thrills of my life. And at this point, it, it, what, what's happening in the game is uh, our oldest is learning to become a more proficient reader. And so uh, we love to sit down with Parker, and, you know, we're, we're in this stage of fancy Nancy books and, you know, boxcar children and uh, Elephant and Piggy, kind of a cool series, um, and, and also uh, the Magic Treehouse books. And, and this series is already backfiring on me, okay, because Parker now has this dream that her father is going to build her a treehouse, and asking me to build her a treehouse is basically like asking me to build a skyscraper. Okay, it's just uh, it's it's not like please don't tell Parker that. It's really it's really harsh to crush a seven-year-old's dreams. Okay, but uh, maybe with some you know wood nails, you know hammer, I can I can do my best, right? Um, but but as as she's learning to read, it's really cool to see her pace accelerate, her vocabulary expand, and and now she's even graduated to what are what are called chapter books. These are, these are books with chapters. Um, that's what happens when you're a kid, right? You, you graduate in these chapter books. And, um, and, and what, she, what she wants to do sometimes, the, the biggest temptation for her is to, as we're kind of in maybe chapter 3 or 4, she wants to skip ahead to chapter you know, 10, 11, and 12 and find out what happens at the end of the story, right? And isn't this a temptation for all of us? How will the story end? How will the story end of of that book? How will the story end of that movie? How will the story end of that life? How will the story end? let me ask you this morning, how will your story end? We come to a story this morning in the Gospel of John about a man named Lazarus, and Lazarus came to the end of his story. I don't have time to read the entire passage for us today, uh, but, but I want to start by just reading the first four verses of what John writes about this episode of Jesus and Lazarus. Listen to what John writes. He says in verse one, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now let's fast forward to verse 14 and find out what, what this illness leads to. Jesus says in verse 14, tells them plainly, Lazarus has died. It is the end of the story for Lazarus. But you can see that these sisters, they, they try to bring Jesus into the story of the sick and dying man. And so what I want us to think about this morning is, what does it look like? When we invite Jesus into our story. What does it look like when we invite Jesus into our story? I want to give you four realities this morning, okay? Number one, when we invite Jesus into our story, hope arrives. When we invite Jesus into our story, hope arrives. This, this story startles us at the outset because we're, we're smacked in the face with the reality of sickness and even death. And one thing I love about following Jesus is this, is that um, Christianity doesn't sweep suffering under the rug, okay? Christianity doesn't minimize suffering in any way. Christianity actually tells us of the story of God who entered our suffering in the person of Jesus Christ. And not only does he enter our suffering, he actually suffers so that he can accomplish our salvation. And so suffering is real. And suffering brings physical and emotional pain. As we read this story, these sisters, can you imagine losing their, their dear brother? They are undone. Death has a way of unraveling us in the moment when we come to this, this moment of finality in the life of someone that we Verse 32 says that Mary, when she sees Jesus, she just runs and falls at his feet and is weeping because she has lost her brother. You say, well, 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 what about Jesus? How did he respond in all this moment? Uh, look, Look at verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was moved deeply in his spirit and greatly troubled. And, and then it, it says, he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. There, there are two responses from Christ in this moment. The first, it says that he was greatly troubled and deeply moved. Okay, the Greek word can mean that he was enraged with fury at the reality of death. Jesus became furious over the effects of sin in our world. But he not only became angry at these things, he also was moved to sorrow and tears. And this is the appropriate response as we experience suffering in our world, as we experience life not as God designed it or he wants it to be. We should, when we, when we see what happened this past Tuesday in Belgium, I mean, we, we should be angry But we should also weep, because this is this is life under the sun, and it is not the way that God wants it to be. And so, suffering is real. Christianity teaches us this, but also, Christianity teaches us that that suffering can be, must be, and will be dealt with. Okay, this is this is the hope of Easter, by the way. All right. we, we have a God, which this is the kind of God I want to be connected to, right? We have a story, this is the kind of story that I want to live in, of, of a God who makes suffering suffer. A, a God who brings the death blow to suffering. You see, this is why, why the sisters called for Jesus. They knew that Jesus had the power to do something about the sickness of Lazarus. So they called for him, and, and they were hoping. I mean, even twice, on two separate occasions, uh, they say to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here. If you would have, if you would have, because when you arrive, hope arrives. So if you would have been here, Lazarus would have lived. And the sisters get, a, get it, get it. Right, in part. I mean, this was certainly true. Jesus had the power to heal, but Jesus had power beyond their ability to believe how much power he had. But as Jesus says in verse 23, uh, he says to Martha, uh, your brother will rise again. And, and Martha's just saying, yeah, you know, like I believe that, that God uh, reigns over all and that we will all be resurrected in the very end. But, but she didn't know he was talking about like right now. And so Jesus... Utters seven of the world's most powerful words in verse 25 when he says this I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, Resurrection, the ability to to rise after you're dead, and, and, and true, abundant, satisfying life is located right here. In me this is a startling claim only God says stuff like this right only God says stuff like hey not just I can give you resurrection and I can give you life but I am the resurrection and I am the life so when Jesus arrives into our story Hope arrives, but that's not all. When Jesus ar- arrives into our story, when we invite him into our story, the end is really the beginning. So look, look at what it, what it tells us in, in verse 38 and 9. Jesus doesn't weep for long. He's so furious at death that he moves to reverse it, all right? It says this, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, now Martha, let's just, let's just be real, okay? She thinks Jesus, all right, this is kind of offensive, okay? But, you know, son of God here, you know, you got to watch what you say to the one who made you. Uh, but anyway, she's like, you're crazy. He's been in there four days. All right, so let's just put, like, the wake is over. The graveside service is old, uh, over. Dela Russo, fun- funeral home, and, like they've already been paid, right? This is like the story is over. But what did Jesus say then in verse 40? This is so good. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Let's, let's talk some theology. We're talking about Jesus, after all, right? on Easter Sunday. Christianity screams. That God, I hope you get this, God made us for life. God made us to experience life in him and with him. Death was never supposed to be a part of the story. It was never supposed to be in the picture. And this should resonate with us deep down, right? We don't want the story to end. I mean, why do we we weep tears when someone we love dies, like like Mary and Martha? We we weep because we love them, right? But we also weep because deep down we know that this is not the way it's supposed to be. Death Death was never supposed to be a part of God's story. It is an unwelcomed intruder. But... God has made it his world in such a way that that now he invites us to know what was there in the very beginning and to experience that which was in the very beginning. Okay, so, so God made this perfectly harmonious world. A world where every relationship was thriving. There was no friction. Right? I know that's like that would be all right, right? That would be nice. He made, he made a world, check this out, where, I know you don't believe this probably, um, but, but this is true, this is how good the gospel is, um, where everyone looked forward to going to work like every single day. That's, that's God's world. God made a world where every day was sunny, every season ended in a duck boat parade. No sickness, no sadness, it was all gladness. I'm not going to rap right now. But I know you, you want me to. I know you want me to. Life was perfect. It was perfect. But God's harmonious world was interrupted and disrupted when we deviated from his plan. We rejected his provision. We turned away to our own plans. And the Bible has a word for it. It's called sin it means missing the mark it means uh refusing god's way and choosing our own way and i don't think i have to con- convince you at least i hope you don't i hope i don't that that like we're, we're all really good at missing the mark when it comes to to really relating to others in the way that we should and even relating to god in the way that we should we have professional skill when it comes to this stuff right i mean we like we put ourselves above other people we naturally want what other people have. We're not happy for them. We want what they have. We produce pride and greed and lust at a rapid pace. We say things that, that sane people just absolutely should not say. And all of these wrongs against our fellow man and against God have left left us in a very great predicament. Our our sin separates us from from God. It it causes disharmony with Him and disharmony with those around us. But here's the amazing truth about the gospel, okay? This is the the irony of the story of Jesus is that Jesus experienced death so that we might experience it. Jesus on the cross dies for all of the wrong that I have done, that you have done. And he takes that, 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 that sin and, and that penalty for that sin and in exchange for that, he doesn't give it back and say, like, you've got to deal with this. Instead, he gives us his righteousness. That means a right record in the sight of God. And he gives us forgiveness and he gives us grace when we absolutely did not deserve And so Good Friday is about Jesus suffering once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us home back to God, back to the way life was intended to be living our lives under his love and his care and his leadership and direction in life death meets its death in the death and resurrection of Jesus so I just I just want to ask every person here this morning have you have you invited Jesus into your story so that the end of your story might really be the beginning of your story this is the gift that Jesus extends to every single one of us on Easter Sunday here today so not only does it never end but number three, check this out. When, when you invite Jesus into your story, the story gets better and better. Isn't, isn't this what we all want? Like, like who, who's, who's, who's saying, like, you know what? Man, I hope my story gets worse this week. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope, I hope these upcoming paragraphs, you know, like, things are too good right now. I just, maybe they take a turn for the worse, you know, in this next chapter, no one's saying that. But we would we would all say, we would all say, you know what, like, man, this, 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 this page right here, like, I wish I could just tap the delete button a few times. Or, or perhaps it's like, I wish I could just select all, just erase the whole thing, you know, like, I wish that never happened, I wish I wasn't so, so stupid. Deep down, we all want the story to get better. And through Jesus, this is available to us. You say, Well, how Tanner, like how, how can my story connect to his story and get better and better and better? Like always, whether whether it seems like it or not, like in the end, the story of my life, like I'm just gonna, like, here's my story. It's getting better. My story, like I'm not perfect, but it's, it's getting better day by day, and it's going to end to, to be with him where it's always visibly going to get better in, in, in a perfect place, in a perfect state with, with him. So, so, so how does this happen? Well, uh, it happens as Jesus says in verse 40. I mean, what, is it, what does he say? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of, of God? So the glory of Jesus, all right, check this out. The glory of Jesus is his inherent worth and perfection on display for people to actually see. And so when we see see Jesus for who he truly is, that he really has the authority over life and death, that he can really give us these gifts, and we discover how amazing he is, how how glorious and perfect he is, okay? So, so when we see glory, all right, like glory lights things up. Glory captivates us, it enthralls us, okay? Like there's nothing boring, there's nothing monotonous here, there's nothing monotone, okay? Like everything is bright, everything is robust, everything is dynamic. When we see the glory of Jesus. And, and I love this, okay? The more we see his glory, the more we discover that there is always more glory to see. Did you catch that? The more we see who he is and we realize that he is this infinite treasure, this inexhaustible uh, treasure of, of pleasure that we can live in every single day and experience joy and life and peace, we, just, we start discovering that there's always more. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his children's book. It's a chapter book, by the way. In his children's book, Prince Caspian. He tells the story of the youngest child, Lucy, who discovers King Aslan the lion. And he's he's a a picture of, of Jesus, right? And so Lucy sees Aslan and she runs to him. And she buries her face in his mane and she's weeping, overjoyed that she has been reunited with him after several hundred years. And this is what she says. She says, Aslan, you've gotten so much bigger. And Aslan says, no, my little child. I only seem bigger to you today. He says, as you grow so I will appear to grow also. Isn't that powerful? Little children, in in, in our reality, little children, as they grow, what things what? Appear smaller. But as we grow in Christ, as we progress and learn more about who he is, then he seems bigger and bigger and better and better and better. Is this what you're discovering about Jesus? Like is Jesus just kind of like this man take it or leave it? Is is Jesus like man Sunday sometimes, like or is Jesus like everything? Is is your life like is he is he an, an addition or is he the centerpiece? Because when we see him for who he is, he just keeps getting better and better and bigger and bigger. Jesus is glorious, and every glorious thing Jesus does is motivated by his love. I don't have time to, like, unpack the love of God and the love of God in the cross and the love of God in the resurrection and the love of God extended to us. But everything that God does is motivated by his love. And this is what moves Jesus in this story. We see it in verse 3 and verse 5 and verse 36. But, but, I, but I love, I just want you to think about this with me, okay? What, what happened to Lazarus? after he was raised from the dead you know what happened to lazarus lazarus became this walking billboard to the power of christ so everywhere that lazarus goes all right he's like i was dead now i am undead crazy so not like just like not just in this way of like oh that's cool. What a novelty! Someone was r- raised from the dead. Although that is pretty cool and it is a novelty, right? There's no doubt about it. But 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 here's the here's the deal, right? Lazarus becomes a picture of that which is to come. God is reversing all of the effects of of sin and suffering in our world. And he is going to usher in his kingdom one day where there is no more sickness. There is no more death. There are no more tears. There are no more hungry children. There are no more terrorists, people being killed just because of pure wickedness. And so you know what? You know what God does? This is crazy, right? God invites us into his story and now every good thing that we do, we just get to give people little pictures of the coming kingdom of God. So I'm really excited about next week. We're going to start this series for the city. And we're going to talk about how that God wants us to, to have our, our work lives transformed where they're for him. And we're, when we're at work, we're picturing forth the coming kingdom of God. When we're in our neighborhood, when we're serving others around us, we are, we are showing people what it's like in the coming kingdom of God. We see his glory and then we give others a picture of his glory. But then don't miss this. This is, this is the last thing I want you to see this morning. When you invite Jesus in your story, not only does this hope arrive, not only does, is the, the end really the beginning, not only does it get better and better, but, but this, is, this is huge, all right? Faith is required. Faith, faith is required. Jesus says it uh, more than once in the story, uh, but, but verse 40 just sums it up. Did, did I not tell you that if you what? If you believed you would see the glory of God. And he he asks us the the question that he asked Martha in, in verses 25 and 6. It's a question we all have to answer here today. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he poses this question to Martha, do you believe this? So I just want to ask you today, do you believe this? Do you believe that God made you for more than you're experiencing today? Do you believe that God can write a better story than the story that's being written in your life today? Do you believe that God made you for abundance and eternity? And you can find that through Jesus Christ, the resurrection, and the life. This is the good news of Jesus. And so just the, the, the real quick on what faith looks like, okay, faith says I can't, but Jesus can, and, and, and listen, we, we, we're all the same here, all right, I'm like you, I don't like to ask for other people's help, you know what I'm saying, like, we've got this, I can build this treehouse on my own. I don't need your help I don't need your critique I'll, I'll make it on my own and, and and we we act this way with God The common response like why would why would you be able to have a relationship with God I'm a good person I can be good enough Michael Bloomberg, a former Medford resident and the former mayor of New York City, he's worth a cool $43 billion. Okay, listen to him, all right? This is what he said. I am telling you that if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. someone like tells him this story before like really before he like you're going to say that to God don't need your, don't need your opinion Ephesians 2.8 says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God the, the never dying kind of life comes through faith in Christ not our own effort, not no, through what we could do so faith says, I can't, but he can. We look to Christ, to what he has done for us. And we say, look, now now because Jesus is so good, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, I want to build my entire life around him. I want my story to get better and better and better because that's what God made me for in the very beginning. And so today, I just want to ask you do, you, do you believe this? Is your story getting better and better because your story is connected to his story? Because here, here's, here's the catch, all right? We've been talking about inviting Jesus into our story. But the amazing truth about Jesus is, is not that, that he would in, accept this invitation into our, our story, though he will. But the better truth is this, is that he is really inviting us into his story and so this morning listen i'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song and we're going to wrap up but but listen if if you're here this morning you say you know what this is all kind of new to me I, i haven't heard these things before but but they sound they sound compelling like if they were true and i love what tim keller says about easter he says look even if you don't believe in easter you should deeply want it to be true suffering ends life with god forever is ours like that, that's an amazing thought. But maybe, maybe you're here today, so like, look, um, I always I want to take a next step to explore more about Jesus and Christianity. Listen, if that's you, we would love to help you with that. You can just take the connect card on your worship guide. But some of you are maybe saying, you know what, I, I, am, I am ready to commit my life to follow Jesus today, like, I am all in. I- I don't have this kind of life that you're describing here and I really, really want it. And so if that's you today, I just want to encourage you, take this Connect card, fill it out, put your name on it. We'll, we'll be in touch with you just to help you so that as God is writing this story in your life, you can experience all that he has for you through Jesus, okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for what you have done for us in Christ. And God, I pray that, that Each person here today, God, no matter where they are, no matter what their background may be, no matter where they come from, God, I pray that they would consider what it might look like to let Jesus change their story by receiving the gift that he provides them. Lord, you're a great God. You've given us everything when you gave us Christ. So, Lord, may we celebrate him today and every day. All for your glory, we pray in the name of Jesus.